Welcome to Blue Talks. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be actually the last speaker. I know when Corey said I was going to be, I'm like, wow, well, I'm gonna have all these amazing presenters and how am I gonna level up? I'm not sure if I can, but I've got a big story and I know I've got 20 minutes to, to share some of this. And yes, I am uh, Chief Visionary Officer of Valco Financial. I've been in the mortgage industry for 26 years. I've actually been in the financial industry for 51 years. And why I say that is because I'm 51 and my parents have always been in the banking industry. I grew up in the banking industry and I never thought I would have a career in the banking industry and here I am. So when I started as a mortgage broker, I was a solopreneur. I was on my own doing this and I never came from an entrepreneurial uh, family. Like no one did that. Everyone worked for a corporation and a bank. So when I started, you know, here I am today speaking to you where I say I have a company, but I actually have a community. And my community is my business, which is my family. And I'm very proud to have an exceptional partner within Valco Financial. She actually lives out in BC. And we have 70 incredible agents and brokers that are part of our family, our fabric of what we do. We have eight exceptional elite, elite, elite managers that are with us. And we really do foster the values of honesty, integrity, commitment, and professionalism. And I'm so proud of that. You know, on top of the awards that we've received, part of that I did receive some of those, and, and a lot of them from our, our business, is I'm very proud of we've had over 42 community events in the last 15 years in my area in Kitchener-Waterloo. I'm a big proponent of community and I'm a big proponent of charities and giving back and making sure we're celebrating people and bringing people together. So, you know, when you say I don't sleep, I don't sleep. It's not part of my fabric. It's always, what am I going to do next? I'm much of a visionary and I'm a much of a person to give back, but that hasn't come without a price. And, you know, I've done a lot of speaking in my industry and they've always said to me, Tracy, you're so lucky. Look at you, look at all that you have. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mother of two beautiful children. They're 26 and 21. My son's 26. My daughter's 21. And I've been married for 26 years. And they go, you know, from, from the outside, it looks perfect. But it hasn't come without resilience. And it hasn't come with a lot of adversity, not only from a business side, but from a personal side as well. And I think that that is part of life, is, is going through resilience and going through struggles to get where you're at today, you know, I wanted to talk about the topic of resilience because I think it's so important to the fabric of who we are and what we do every day. You know, talking about the definition of resilience, when you look at what the definition is, the definition is about looking at adversity in your life and how you're able to overcome that. When you look at resilience, you know, when you think of traumatic things that happen to you, you think of emotional upheaval, stress, you know, your trauma that's happened to you, but resilience is about the adversity to be able to pivot and bounce back and be able to work through life. And I think that what I've had to work through, not only personally, but in business as well, 
there has been really five pillars, five values that have moved me through to be able to be the person that I am today. And I wanted to share that with you. You know, the first one that I wanted to talk about is self-awareness. So with self-awareness for me, you have to remember, I'm, I'm 51, I'm proud to be 51, and I grew up in an era of the 1970s and 80s where my parents, and Corey, you're shaking your head because you know too, right? So my parents, where I game, were bankers, so they worked nine to five. So they would come home, and when they came home, they would be right in front of the TV and watch the news. And they would spend hours talking about the banking world, like it was my sister and I, my sister's four years older than me, and we were the afterthought. And it's not that they were unkind, because I have a great relationship with my parents. I've, I've appreciated where I've come from, the resilience that they've had and what I've had to endure as well. But we were an afterthought. No one talked to us about you know, what our goals were. No one talked about you know, who was going to mentor us. It was kind of like you know, fight or flight. We had to figure it out on our own. So when I was finishing high school, I didn't know what to do. I knew that university was there and it was a goal that potentially I wanted to do. So when I talked to my parents, it was like, well, no, we don't have the money, but you're a woman and we don't really do that in our family. It's not something you should do, go to work. So, okay, I went to work after I finished high school and what did I go into? I went into the financial industry, of course. My parents were there. It was a great segue for me to get into, but in my mind, I knew I wanted to go to university. I wanted to get a better education because I wanted to do something different. So when I worked for a financial institution, a corporation for two years, in those two years, I saved money. I saved money for school. And what I found when I worked for that financial corporation, because I didn't work where my parents were working, I was working for another bank, I would go into work and I was graded. And I wasn't graded by you know, what, what my thoughts were or my performance during the day, I was graded on my, my, my appearance. And so what I mean by that is I would walk into work and there would be a lineup of men because it, financial world is very male dominated back then, especially we were, women were less than 10% in the financial world. So I would walk in and all these men would be holding up a sign and grading us from one to 10. I had that for two years. I never once told my parents about it. I thought that was what life was about when I was 19. I would go home and cry when I went home, and I would make sure I saved every dime because I knew that there was a better life. And when I finally got enough funds to be able to go to university and have the courage to talk to my parents about what would happen, my parents really didn't say too much. I think that what I've come to learn is that my mom experienced probably something very similar to what I went through, and my dad was just used to that being what it was back then. But I did go to university, and I did finish, and I graduated. In fact, I not only graduated, but I carried my son down the aisle for my graduation. I actually wrote my exams for university a day after I gave birth to my son, and he was in my arms. Talk about resilience. That was it in itself. I don't know if I could be able to do that now, but I did back then. But, you know, I graduated university not sitting there taking time to appreciate the resilience I went through. I graduated university saying to my parents I was trying to prove a point. And I think I spent much of my 20s and 30s trying to prove a point to people because I was given always these answers of, no, you're not good enough, no, you're a woman, no, you're not able to do that. And so the self-awareness that I had was 
realistically looking at myself saying, yes, I am worth it and I'm able to do that. So when I graduated, I went back into the corporate world and the financial world. Um, it was a better place, thankfully. But there I got the experience of actually being introduced to being a mortgage broker. And this big aha went into my head at that point going, wow, a mortgage broker. This is a person that can give people options and choices on mortgage products, be able to give people a safe roof over their head to create memories for a lifetime in their homes. And it was something that I, when I, I ran home after work and said to my husband, this is something I wanna do. I want to be an entrepreneur. And my husband was always and always has been very, very, very um, you know, receptive to any of my thoughts and, and very supportive. And he said, absolutely, go do it. So I did. I quit my job and I became a solopreneur. I had no idea how to run a business, none at all. But I knew I needed to do something. And so that brings me to the second pillar, which is about mindfulness. So with mindfulness, and why I say that is because I spent, you know, I said to you I was 26 years as a mortgage broker, but the first 10 years I had my face down and trying to prove a point. The next 10 years, I kind of dipped my foot into a couple of things that I thought I was really confident on, but then kind of stepped back because I remember growing up, I was in a very conservative banker family thinking, okay, I shouldn't be doing this. And I was always told no. And I ended up doing it anyway. And then this last five years, I've really come into my own knowing the person I am, the gifts I have, and the amazing company that I've been able to build with incredible people. So, you know, going back to when I first started being a mortgage broker, how was I going to connect with people? You've got to remember, this business is about connection. It's about being able to bring people into your place to be able to help them for building a home or purchasing a home or upgrading their home and doing financing. And all I knew was four people in my community in Kitchener-Waterloo. I knew my son. I knew my husband and I knew my grandparents. So what did I do? I actually, back then, I was able to go into apartment building, buildings and I was knocking on all the doors. So you could do that back then. You weren't you're here now, you can't do that now. So for every 10 doors that I knocked on, someone would answer. And the one person that answered would let me in. And what I did is I started just talking to people. I would talk to people about what they were struggling with. What are their goals? What are their aspirations? What were their desires to actually get into a home? And what I found was the big aha for me was that people just wanted to be heard. They just wanted to be validated and listened to. But what I couldn't do is actually finish the conversation of helping them be able to get that house of the, uh, that they wanted, their dreams, be able to get them pre-approved for financing because I wasn't confident in my words back then. I wasn't you know, sure of I was able to do this role. So what I did is I went home and I thought, okay, I've got to do something. Now, you got to remember, I came from a family that no one talked about mentorship or talked about having, you know, goals or aspirations. So I went to the brokerage that I worked for and said, can you help me? And that owner was a male. And he looked at me and said, no, I can't help you because you're a woman and you really your job is to be an assistant. You won't be a broker. You won't own a brokerage. You need to just come here and I'll help you and you can just be my assistant. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I left there and talking about, you know, stars aligned and talking about things that happen, I was on a bus going back home and there was a sign up there and it talked about Toastmasters. 
I didn't know what Toastmasters were, but it talked about confidence in speaking. So I came home, talked to my husband, and my husband knew about it, and he said, yes, you need to do that. Why don't you sign up for that? So I did. The next day I went to sign up, went to that. I not only went once through the program, I went through the program 13 times, 13 times, to get the confidence to go back into that apartment building. And I went back into that apartment building, and I went through and knocked on 20 doors. And the first person that actually answered the door let me in. And not only did they let me in, I started talking to them about what their goals and aspirations were. And this woman was a single mom, and she never thought she'd be able to own a property. And I sat down and worked on financial solutions for her. And I can proudly say, after 26 years, she's one of my best friends. Not only has she moved into a property, but she's got three investment properties. She's done very well. And I will never forget that time because the confidence I got from the work I put in to be able to help me go into that skill set actually helped me build my business from one client to now I have 7,000 clients. And I did that and not even taking the time to appreciate that journey back then, but it was to prove a point to people that kept on saying no. So that brings me to my third point, which is about self-care. Now, self-care... When I talked about my business, and you've seen the success I've had, the amount of clients that I've had, that hasn't come without a price. You see, my, my children are 26 and 21, but through that time, I missed a lot of times with my son with hockey, my daughter with horseback riding. In fact, I would take them to them, and I would be on the phone as I build my business because I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. My kids knew that I was creating a better life for them, and my, my husband is in the financial business as well, and he appreciated it. But it didn't come with a lot of hours. I spent 15-hour days. I would put my kids to sleep, and I'd be working in the middle of the night to get to the next level. That's what you got to do when you're self-employed. You have to be able to do that. And I didn't hire people for a long time because I thought I could do it all. And when I realized I couldn't do it all, I realized then that I needed to hire, and, and I did, and my world changed. But I came with a price. And as I built my business, what happened five years ago was I had a family crisis. So my business was, was working really well. I had lots of people in my business that were supporting or I thought were supporting my business. And things were working really well, but my husband got very ill. And when my husband got very ill, he actually had to leave my home for about 60 days. We weren't sure if he was actually going to come through and make it through. And this was during the holidays. So this is the first time in 21 years that I didn't have my husband home with my family and I over Christmas, let alone did I know he was going to make it through his health crisis. And I became this warrior, like, oh, I can do it all as a mom I, and as a leader, and I could do it all. And I told only one person in my business because I thought I needed to be that stoic person. And so with God's grace and stars aligned, my husband did make it through. And after 60 days, he did come home, and our family started to heal through that process. And then three months and 22 days after that, my daughter had a mental health crisis. And my daughter had a mental health crisis. And anyone who's gone through that, and I'm sure all of you either have gone through or know somebody that has gone through it, it's debilitating. You become numb as a caregiver. You become numb, especially when it's your child. And I almost lost my daughter through this. And through this time, my daughter was gone for 45 days and for treatment. And my life changed. I became numb. I 
just focus as this warrior goddess that like, I was going to change the world and be this leader with my business and be able to save her and realizing that I didn't take one day off. I worked right through all this. And with stars aligned and God's grace, my daughter made it through. Now with mental illness, it's not something that can just miraculously change and she can be cured. It's a long journey. There's a long game here. And we've had some ups and downs over the course of, of time, but she's a brilliant girl and has lots of potential and has the support to be able to do that. But I didn't take one day off. So what happened four months after my daughter came home is my son found me collapsed on the floor. And when I came to, I had an ambulance attendant right over me holding my hand, and he was probably about 25, because he has a lot of life experience, and says to me, my, your son told me what has happened to you. When are you going to put the oxygen mask on you? And you have to remember, like, I'm a person that's a leader. You've seen all the accolades I've had. You've seen what I've done. You see, I help people, and that's all I've done all my life. I've helped people. I've helped people with financial wellness, with holistic wellness. I call myself more of a counselor than I am a financial advisor. I've helped people actually not take their lives because I've helped them with financing, yet I couldn't seem to help myself, and I knew better. And from that point on, I was at the hospital, came home that day, and from there I went right to the church, and I sat with the minister. I actually went down on my knees and I sobbed. And I prayed for myself for the first time in my life. I prayed for myself to find forgiveness in myself and to love myself. Because I ended up loving everyone else except myself. And so from that day moment, my life changed. And the reason why my life changed is getting to my fourth pillar, which is positive relationships, because you see, I grew my business, but in the time of my financial turmoil, I actually went through 13 employees in that time. So I'm going through my family crisis, and I'm going through 13 different employees in my business, and it's not that they were bad people, they were amazing people, but they weren't aligned to my values. And what I focused on coming out of the hospital after my mental breakdown, is that I wasn't aligned in writing down my values and truly loving myself to be able to bring the exceptional people I needed in my life. And things started to change for me when I started truly loving myself and taking care of myself. And I can say proudly today, I have the most incredible family in my business. I have the most amazing partner that I have with Valco Financial, and we're growing this business because I deserve it. I'm a good person, and I love myself, and it's changed my life. So positive relationships and bringing the right people into your life can make such a difference when you're actually doing the right thing for yourself. So that leads me to my last pillar, which is about purpose. Purpose is why we're here today. It's, it's why we want to do what we do. It's the aha moment I had when I realized I wanted to be a mortgage broker and give back to people and make a difference in their financing and to be able to give them a safe roof over their head for their families. It's the reason for being. You know, there's a Japanese terminology. It's funny we're talking about Ken Honda because I'm a, I'm a, like, I absolutely adore that man. 
and I follow a lot of the Japanese culture, and there's a term called aikiai, and I said this at my conference um, two months ago in Vancouver. Uh, actually, I said it to the mortgage industry. I talked about this terminology, and what this terminology is, is it's the intersection between what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and how you make money. It's the bliss, purpose, and intention behind everything you do. It's the whole purpose of your being. It's why you get up in the morning. It's why you do what you do. And if you are lucky enough to find that one thing or one person that sets your heart and soul on fire, then you get out of your way. Get out of your head and do what you're supposed to do because here is the thing. Safety is an illusion and happiness is a choice. And life is short. And in the end, we're all going to die. So take the time now. Find what truly makes you happy and do it because you can have all the accolades like I had and everybody from the facade can think everything is going on right, when realistically you need to focus on you because you have the biggest impact to make that difference. And so I'm gonna leave with the word of being grateful and gratitude because I gotta tell you with all, and this is 20 minutes of telling you my story in a very short time because there's so much more to it. But I gotta tell you, having a grateful heart, I wake up every morning with a grateful heart I lay my head down on my pillow at night and grateful for the day I had, for the journey experience I had, as the darkest of times I had, and I have literally been on my knees at the hospital praying for my daughter. My darkest of times, I was grateful for the journey. It got me to where I am today to be able to speak to you to make a difference because I know I've made an impact on so many people. And I know that we all can. And I know with mental health, there is a light for so many people out there. So just have a grateful, resilient heart and be so grateful for yourself because I can truly tell you I love myself and I know in the end I'm going to make such a big impact by telling my story. Thank you. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.